They're all saving one, or most of them, most of the Hampshire fielders are saving one. Somerset need one run. It's Edwards to Hildreth. He's there and bowls Hildreth, and he gets the run away through the onside. And Somerset have won. They've won the Royal London One Day Cup. Good evening, you're listening to Always Look on the Bright Side of Life. This is the Somerset Cricket Podcast. I'm Ian Shepherd, and joining me as always are Steve Tancock, Dan Kingdom and the voice of cricket on BBC Radio Somerset, Anthony Gibson. And we are now less than two days away from crowds being allowed back to the Cooper Associates County Ground to finally watch some cricket. Uh, Somerset will take on Hampshire in the County Championship on Thursday. Uh, and I think we can conclude that that is another must-not-lose game. Uh, Hampshire are sitting third in Group 2 at Somerset. Uh, oh, fourth now are they, Steve? Sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I, I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll quickly have a look at the table on my phone and recap the results from Group 2 before we start. Ever the professional. Charlie Taylor won't be having me back on uh, any time soon. Yeah, so the Gloucesters are top, played 707. They lost uh, badly at the Oval to Surrey. Somerset uh, played 704. Surrey in third played 801, and then Hampshire played 794. Uh, Leicester, who pulled off an astounding run chase uh, at the Upton Steel County Ground to beat Middlesex, they're on 70 points. And the Middle Saxons are bringing up the rear, played 860 points, headed for the Wooden Spoon in Group 2. Um, my thoughts are that we're probably going to prepare the flattest pitch um, that you've ever seen at the County Ground with the aim of not losing... Uh, to Hampshire to allow them any ground on us at all. Um, I'm not sure who they'll pick. My gut would say Roloff van der Merwe because he didn't play in the second team T20 uh, over the bridge in Wales today at, at Newport against Glamorgan, a match that Somerset won quite easily in the end. Um, who should we start? We'll start with you tonight, Steve. Then who's your uh, well? Who's in your eleven for Thursday? Well- well, I'm I'm actually going to cheat here. I'm going to quote Stuart Hodgkiss, who messaged on Facebook earlier, and he deserves to go first because he said we're a brilliant podcast. So as far as I'm concerned, Stuart, you, you're a friend of the show from now going forward. This is his team. Byram, Lamanby, Abel, Hildreth, Goldsworthy, Bartlett, although I guess you could swap those two around, Banton, Davies, Gregory, Roloff, and Davy. So, and his, his logic is that you would share the fourth bowler duties between the Toms. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I looked at that and I thought, you know what, if we're going to play a flat pitch on a flat pitch and we just want to draw and we'd like to get as many bonus points as possible, mm-hmm. then, you know, you've still got, still got the bases covered. I'm sure it won't happen and I'm sure, sure Marchant will play. My question would be, do they trust Goldsworthy enough to bowl him, in which case Marchant would come in for Roloff? But I think you're right, Ian. I think that won't happen. So I guess it would be Roloff for Marchant would be the team. With Obviously, with everyone moving up one from Davies going up to seven, etc. I know, Anthony, what you're going to say in a minute. You'd like to change that batting (laughs) order round. (laughs) I, I cheated there because I had a bet with Peter Wanless on the Twitter that I'd get you to say it within the first five minutes. So I'm just <laughs> teeing you up to say it for me. But, yeah, I, I can't see anything different from that. Interesting that Jack Brooks played in the T20 today. And I just get a feeling that they might be saying to him, you're going to play a role 
in the T20s this season because you're not figuring at the moment in the championship. Um, and obviously he'll play in the Royal London, won't he? So I'm going to go with Stewart's side, but bringing in Marchant for Tom Banton. They're both bat in similar ways, so it potentially could be a like-for-like like substitution anyway. <laughs> yeah, I can't see how you can't really, you can't not play Marchant, especially, I think, if you're going on a flat one, you probably need a, a bowler with a bit of extra pace um, just to try and make something happen if, you, if you're playing on a, on a flat pitch. Um, who, who's in your side, Anthony? Well, I think I'd go with Steve, actually. At least I think that's what they will go with. Um I think there is a good case for moving Lamanby down the order. Um, and if Abel isn't really isn't determined not to open the batting, as appears to be the case, even though he might just as well be, um, then move Steve Davis up to open the innings. But I think Lamanby's confidence is shot at, at the moment. That showed in that run out at, uh, at Bristol, where his mind was clearly scrambled. Um, and um, when Jack Leach wasn't playing in the Bob Willis last season, Roloff van der Merve came into came into the side. He's an experienced cricketer. His record batting in first-class cricket for Somerset is not great. Like, I couldn't tell you what his average is offhand, but he scored hardly any runs uh, last season. But he's a useful bowler, and he's a great team man, and he's you know he's good in the field as well. And I think they'll have to play Marchant. Um, because if it is a flat pitch, you know, you know, someone with who can really hit the pitch hard might be able to get something out of it that the more um, the more modest medium paces would would find difficult. But um, I, I agree with with you, Ian. I think it's it's a a must not lose game rather than a must win game. And I'd be very surprised if it isn't a pretty flat pitch at Taunton, and if it isn't a pretty long and strong Somerset batting lineup. Um, and I think whoever wins the toss will bat first, which will make a change. When you mentioned um, Roloff van der Merwe's batting average, I could see Dan in the corners, his eyes flitting around and his hands moving as if he was about to jump onto Crick Info. So, Dan, what is Roloff van der Merwe's batting average? Uh, uh, <laughs> Why are you looking? Yeah. Oh, that's a, that one, a, one set, that's one a classic set. setup for you, Dan. Four set. First, first, you know, it's all first-class cricket, average is 33. Yeah, but um, that's not, not Somerset. No, for Somerset, his average is 16 in first-class cricket. So, yeah, almost half. Um, one century and 150, and that's in 20 matches. Which is lower than Josh Davies. Mm, so probably, yeah. Cue, cue a roll-off unbeaten 150 of <laughs> yeah. 90 balls on... On yeah. Friday afternoon, then. Oh, yeah, and Josh Davy has not played possibly the greatest innings ever seen at the county ground. So, I think <laughs> on a flat pitch, Roloff's got the potential to do a lot more damage than uh, uh, than Josh Davy. Um, Selection-wise, Dan, are you uh, which camp are you in? Yeah, I think I agree. I I, I can see Roloff playing um, with with the dry dryness recently and the heat. Um, I think the pitch is probably you know it might take a bit of spin at some point if it breaks up. Um, it's probably going to be flat, so yeah, Roloff probably plays. The, the one, the one thought I had is maybe they'll, if they don't think they'll need much spin, they could rely on Goldsworthy for spin, and maybe bring in Brooks or even bring in Ned Leonard, who's bowled alright. Oh, Ned Leonard. Um, but yeah, and that's that's they may be in the squad, but yeah, I think it'll be Roloff and Delanger. Um, and because yeah, also another thing I was thinking about 
in terms of seam bowling was that Gregory's not had a great season. Delang has been a bit patchy. We're losing Craig, so I just wonder they might decide to bring in that extra seam bowler. Um, but yeah, that's it's an option. But yeah, as I said, I think it'll be Vandermeer and uh, and Delanger. Yeah, I don't think they'll get funky and and bat and bat Banton at seven or goals. Whether at seven, move Davis down to eight. Um, I think it'll be the ten that pick, well, the nine that pick themselves. Uh, Marshall Delanger and Roloff van der Merwe, um to complete that team. And like I say Roloff strengthens the batting to a degree. You say he only averages sixteen, but he is uh, still a very capable batsman, and and uh, he is better than average in uh, sixteen for Somerset in first class cricket. But Craig Overson will be a loss. I tell you one other mm. possibility, and that would be to give Tom Lamberby a rest and bring Tom Panton into it in the innings. Give him another go. If if Tom Lamberby, you know, in the same way that Tom Abel dropped himself back in um, 2017 when he wasn't scoring any runs, there might be an argument just to give him a break and and say go, you know, go back into the seconds, get some runs, get some confidence, and then come back in when you feel ready for it. I don't think they'll do that, but I think there there would be a case for it. What's the um, second eleven championship schedule at the moment, Dan? Are they it's in, all T twenties at the moment. Now, yeah. yeah, there's yeah, they're no playing T twenties all week. I think pretty much. Yeah, there's no four day for a while. The next one isn't until the twenty eighth June. Um, it's all T twenties until then. Okay, so I think we have a, a unanimous decision then to uh, uh, to play Marchant Delanger and Roloff van der Merwe in place of Craig Overton and Jack Leach, who hopefully are both going to be pulling on an England shirt at about quarter to 11 tomorrow morning. Steve's shaking his head with a grimace. We'll start with you, Steve. Do you not think it's going to happen? I don't, I'm afraid. I've got, I've just got a horrible feeling and the more I want Craig to play, the less I feel it's actually going to happen. And I'm, I've just got that mental block that he's just going to carry drinks for the two test matches. Um, because I, I just think... Unfortunately, Chris Silverwood's mind, he's further back in the queue than some of the others. The only the only thing that might tip it is if they think with having to bring Bracey in and making his debut that with the folks out, they've lost a little bit of batting experience at test level. And then they might think, well, Craig batting at eight might be a better option. But I... I hate to say it but I think he's going to miss out I, I hope I'm wrong with every fibre of my body but I don't think I am and the shame is of course I was I, my brain was in pre-Covid mode so I was thinking that's okay because Andy Hurry can jump in his metro and whiz up to St John's Wood tomorrow morning pick him up and drive him back to Taunton don't be silly don't Steve you'd send Andy Caddick in one of his helicopters Land on the nursery ground. Yeah, yeah. why not? Um, it worked for that billionaire idiot. What, what was Alan Stanford? Yeah. yeah, but I, I just don't think they're allowed to do that. Dan probably is much hotter on those regs than me, but I don't think they'll let him out of the bubble that we're not allowed yeah. to call a bubble anymore to then put him back in next week. So, you know, but it, it's a chance for Lewis and Josh and Marchant to step up, and Tom Abel's shown. You know that he's pretty handy with the ball, and he seems to be getting more confidence in his bowling. So, you know, we've got to we've got to accept these things are going to happen, haven't we? I think if they play what you might call their best or most established bowling lineup, which would be Broad, Anderson, Leach, and Wood, that's 
what, Broadbanning at eight, Leach nine, Wood ten, Anderson eleven. Mm. So that's a pretty long yeah. tail. Yeah. So I think. Yeah, they won't do that. I think Craig's best chance of playing is probably at the expense of Jack Leach if they decide not to go with a spinner and just have Joe Root to bowl those overs. But with the way it's not rained in the last uh, few weeks, I would imagine that pitch at Lords would be, would be pretty dry. Um, and Jack Leach is very good with the bat in first tests of the summer at Lords, isn't he? So, you know, <laughs> he's got form there. He might he might go one better than his 90 odd if he has to open or be night watchman. Well, they could rejig the side that way, couldn't they? I mean, if. Mm. I think, yeah, Dom Sibley's not played a lot of cricket. Got, I think he got 54 yeah. the other week. But I think Jack Leach is, is pretty high up in the first-class batting averages uh, this season. Um, Anthony, if getting 66 wickets at, uh, what is it, 13 since the start of the Bob Willis Trophy isn't enough to get Craig over and a cap um, or another cap tomorrow, what is? I don't know. Um it just it seems to be between him and Ollie Robinson, one or other of them is. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, as uh, Steve was saying, the media seem to have decided collectively that it's going to be Ollie Robinson. Um, on what basis, I don't know. But I think I said um, a couple of weeks ago that Mike Allison seemed to be favouring Robinson over over Craig Overton, um, which I think is a shame. I think you know that. You know, their polling averages are very similar. Their batting averages are very similar. I haven't seen much of Ollie Robinson in red ball cricket, obviously, because we've been in different divisions to uh, to Sussex. He's obviously a good bowler. But I think, you know, Craig deserves his, his chance. And it would be a, a great disappointment for everyone uh, if he does indeed end up carrying the drinks. But I'd rather agree with Steve that that is his likely fate, sadly. Dan, who are your four bowlers for, for England tomorrow? I would definitely pick Craig if it was down to me. Um, but well, you commented on it earlier, Ian. England cricket Twitter tweeted that James Bracey's going to play, but they haven't tweeted that Ollie Robinson's going to play. I mean, they've, they've tweeted that Bracey's getting his cap. They haven't tweeted about Ollie Robinson getting a cap. So does that mean Craig's playing? And my thoughts before today was that Craig would probably play because he can bat and a lot of the others... You know, Robinson can bat as well, but I don't think he's a number eight. Craig is probably the only number eight out of the bowlers. Um, and my thoughts were that Leach would probably be left out, which you know increases the chance of Craig playing. But, you know, as, as you were saying, with the heat um, recently and with the dryness, um, maybe Leach will will play. Um, which, yeah, maybe that would make Craig less likely to play. Um but yeah, I mean, Robinson is a very, very good bowler. I, like like the rest of you, I've not really seen much of him. But you know, his stats are comparable to Craig over the last two seasons. Um, we, we we've all seen Craig, and he's you know he's really gone up another level. Um, and I wonder if the media, who are you know anyone in the media who's sort of assuming that Robinson's going to play, maybe they've sort of you know they 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 are basing their thoughts on Craig previously in Test cricket, who you know wasn't particularly successful um i hope they realize that craig has really has gone up another level and if he never played you know i just wonder he's almost harmed by the fact that he's played those tests if he was coming in off the same form but not having played those previous tests there would probably be a lot more clamor for him for him to play um but yeah i think it might might just be that his batting tips tips the scales in his favor and that maybe he will get in the team um and it also could be that he plays one of the tests. There's talk of maybe he'll play one and Robinson will play the other. 
um, you know, to get uh, have a look at players, you know, ahead of the Ashes because while every test matters, this series is not particularly important. It's not part of the World Test Championship. It's not part of the Ashes. And, you know, this is the year they've got, which is, you know, chock block. You know, this is the kind of series they could look to experiment. So, you know, it, 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 I've got a bit more hope than Steve, I'd say, that Craig will play. But um, who knows? I, I think I'm blighted, Dan, because for years and years, before both of them broke the mould, my dad would tell you, bless him if he was still here, he would say that the selectors didn't look anywhere down our way. Now, I know times have changed with social media and all of that, but, you know, there was a guy called Roy Virgin who scored heaps of runs in the early 70s, and they weren't going to look beyond Edrich and Luckhurst who were in the southeast corner of the country. But I think the other thing is if you did a poll of opening batsmen in the championship and said, you've got a bat tomorrow morning at Lord's, would you rather face Overton or Robinson? I suspect the majority, and I'm talking about the Jake Libbies and the Adam Lydes and the Keaton Jennings and, you know, those top, top county regulars, I suspect most of them would rather face Robinson than Overton. And I just wish Chris Silwood would text a few of them today and say, what do you reckon? Because I think it would be pretty unanimous if that was the case. Alistair Cook had some nice things to say about Craig in the Sunday Times on Sunday. He did, yeah. Harry's got to wait. Hmm. Well, that, Anthony, that just feeds my my theory that Alistair Cook's going to be out of contract at the end of the season and wants to come to Somerset to play his last <laughs> couple of years of his... Cook's <laughs> Devon family. Yeah, that's I know. Get, get your agricultural contacts working <laughs> on him, please. Yeah, plenty of farms down here he could buy. Yeah, absolutely. It solved the opening the batting problem quite nicely quite. as well. Well, he's he's quite friendly with the former president of the NFU, um, Peter Kendall, who farms not very far away from Alistair Cook. So I've got Peter on the job to persuade him to take up farming seriously and buy somewhere down here. Oh, there we go. <laughs> that's that's the rumour. That's the rumour now. Cook to Somerset for 2022. You heard it. You heard it here first. Absolutely. Cool. Uh, just just on that, and this is one for Dan really. Um, Dan is so good on players that are out of contract, but given that it appears to me Middlesex can't get much worse, I mean they are they are the worst team in the championship because they've played eight and they've got sixty points, and Derbyshire and Kent, well Kent have actually got sixty one from seven, and Derbyshire got fifty eight from seven, but I think there are quite a lot of players out of contract, including Simpson, the keeper, who. I don't think he likes us very much, but I really rate. I think Gubbins is out of contract as well. He's so good. I think I, I think we need to keep a watch on that as to who, because I don't <laughs> want us to do a, a Jake Libby and miss out on that sort of opportunity again. But I just, I would love to know what is going on at Middlesex. I'd love to know. I, I was actually surprised Stuart Law didn't get the Real Madrid job today because I think he'll be out of there pretty sharpish. I, I hear that Angus Fraser's not a happy soldier at the moment. Oh, he never is. He never was. Well, okay. He, even for Angus Fraser, that that to me, I mean, just to lose to Leicestershire as they did, and, and credit to Ackerman and uh, Marcus Harris, who who got the runs. But can you imagine the reaction on social media if we'd allowed Leicester to chase three fifty eight at the Upton Steel against us? Uh, just 
I, I, I actually feel quite sorry. I've got a couple of friends who are Middlesex supporters and members, and I actually feel quite sorry for them at the moment, which is not like me. But uh, you can you can actually see a mass exodus, I think, from there in the near future. Well, somebody needs to tell Peter Hanscom that we stopped playing three day cricket in this country about twenty years ago, because they they seem to perform very well for the first three days. And I don't know whether they all go on a, a massive piss up on on the Saturday night, and they all turn up with raging hangovers on the Sunday. But you know, what, they've they've let us off the hook twice, and and Leicester. I mean, they needed three hundred and seventy, oh, three hundred and seventy odd to win. Three fifty eight, three fifty eight, I think. Well, three seventy eight for five. Yes, yeah, so and they got them with only a, a few overs left as well. So you think there's somewhere along the line there you can box clever with. Um, there being no field restrictions in Championship cricket, and just drag it out to a draw if it, you know, if it if it looks like you're going to lose. But as you say, old hands off Hanscom um, really should be for the chop after you know, letting all these winning positions just just slip away. I mean, a good captain will turn a losing position into a draw or a winning <laughs> position, and old Hanscom seems well, to have a reverse. You can't of the imagine touch. Tom Abel would have just stood idly by in such a situation, can you? He'd have been. I don't think Somerset would ever get into that situation, but if things weren't going well, he would be very proactive, and that's what—that's where the hapless Hanscom and hands-off Hanscom came from with Anthony's commentary with Kevin Hand, because it was just on that the Saturday at Lords, he just didn't do anything. You know, he allowed us on the Sunday, he allowed us to get back into the game. So, but just just while we're on the subject. It, it looks suddenly it's got really interesting in the groups, hasn't it? With Sur- I know Surrey have played a game more, but they are, as we said, they're ahead of Hampshire now, mm-hmm. and Surrey have got to play us and Hampshire yet. So, sort of, their destiny is almost in their own hands. And they're a good uh, side. I'm with you now, Steve. I think um, Hampshire and Surrey are the biggest, bigger threats than Gloucestershire. I think Gloucestershire mm-hmm. a bit of a busted flush without. I mean, they'll, they'll have James Bracey back, obviously for. Well, yeah, I presume they will for for the last couple of games. Um, but without him, you know, they they were pretty poor against us at at, at Bristol. In all honesty, mm. admittedly, you know, everybody knew it was going to pour with rain, and it must have been very difficult for their batsmen to focus. But it, it was very reminiscent of what happened at Taunton last season, and uh, you know. I think I think they they could they could struggle. Their Gloucestershire's advantage is they've got Middlesex and Leicestershire as two of their last three games, which are the two mm. weakest in in the division. But you know if they come, uh, but they've also got to play Hampshire, and Hampshire won't the want last to lose. Game. <laughs> they won't want to lose to them because if they do lose to them, the points you know and, and Gloucester and Hampshire are the two that that go through, or if they even go through with a draw. Um, well, that might that might not be too. <laughs> I'm just a bit worried, still worried as to what's going to happen in the later stages of this competition with, you know, it's, it would be possible, for example, for Hampshire to settle for a draw against Gloucestershire, if that meant Gloucestershire going through with them mm. and keeping at Surrey and Somerset. Mm. You know, you could you could see calculations like that being made. I hope it doesn't come to that. But I think it's it's we've got to look over our shoulders at Surrey coming up on the rails and Hampshire are a very strong side who will be at full strength unlike ourselves you know for, for this game we could it's be in that game. we could be in that situation we discussed a couple of weeks ago whereas if we we do lose to Hampshire it might not necessarily be a bad thing if that leapfrogs them <laughs> over Gloucester to join us in the top two we take through our Hampshire points which would be more than our Gloucester points 
Yeah. It all gets very complicated. This, we'll this leave the <laughs> this is what's interesting, though, Ian, because like you look at the Roses game last week, they've got a, the return fixture. You still make Yorkshire and Lancashire hot favourites to go through from that group. But if they come through, we actually want Yorkshire to take a decent chunk of points off Lancashire in the second game, because if Lancashire win by an innings again, they'll carry 24 points through if Yorkshire go through with them. And that's that's still quite possible in that group. Hmm. I mean, as for Group One, I think goodness only knows. You know, Essex have played a game more, but you could still pick any two of that top three. I think Warwickshire seem to have suddenly found their mojo again, and and Knots are a bit Jekyll and Hyde still, aren't they? They've had a run of a couple of wins, and then well, they didn't do very well. Durham in in fifth. I know they got stuffed by Essex at the weekend, but Durham are in fifth on eighty eight points from seven, so they're not out of it as well. So it's. Yeah, it's all to play for in Group 1. We can convincingly beat them. I think it would take Anthony's nightmare scenario almost out of the reckoning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, and then Surrey have got the... the they're going to play a pitch that, let's just say, seem to favour their spin bowlers at the weekend, and we've got Jack Leach. So, you know, we'll take your Moriarty and Verdi and we'll raise you a Jack Leach. So... You know, we've got that base covered as far as I'm concerned. Who would ever prepare a spinning pitch to suit their own bowlers, Steve? <laughs> Never happens. Never heard the like. <laughs> Never heard the like. Yeah, it, it does get very, very complicated with trying to work out all these permutations. Um, and a lot of people have sort of put forth their views on, on what should happen with the points carried forward and, and, that, and, this, and that sort of thing. For me, I think possibly... It would be better to start another group, a full group stage in September, mm. try and squeeze in another Red Bull yeah, game. Yeah, the extra game. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think that's, I think that, you know, what relevance was would a game played at the beginning of April have at the end of September? I know if you had a full championship campaign, you've got to play the whole way through, but it's a bit anachronistic to me. Okay, moving on then. So the only cricket we've uh, we've had this weekend to be able to cheer on a team from the southwest. Uh, Western Storm kicked off their Rachel Hayhoe Flint campaign at Bristol on Saturday. Uh, they won that a nail biter uh, by one wicket off the last ball, thanks to an unbeaten sixty-one from Anya Shrubsoul, uh, and they came unstuck yesterday against Central Sparks. Central Sparks. It was Central Sparks. Yeah. I'm just look, craning my neck to look at my cricket of all time. Um, Dan, do you want to talk us through the um, uh, the Western Storm uh, performances over the last few days? Yeah, so I was there on Saturday for the uh, Western Storm versus Northwest Thunder game. Has, uh, Bri- has Bristol improved at all in the last few weeks? Uh, uh, no, it oh. was even worse because we were specifically in the one position where you can't really see either of the scoreboards. We were like in the. We, it was to be fair. It was a good. I quite like the seat. I quite like the angle. So third map, but both scoreboards are quite difficult to see. And that's just, one of the just in front of the indoor work. school. Uh, yeah. 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 Um, well, at least you didn't have to look at that horrible six foot high digital clock. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was sort of to our left. Couldn't couldn't really see that. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, it was a brilliant game. Uh, Thunder back at first and got two hundred and ninety one for eight. Uh, including the record ever partnership in the Rachel Hayward Flint Trophy. I mean, I say ever, but it's only, it's only this year and last year. Uh, that was between Emma Lamb and Pippa Cleary. 
Uh, Anya Shrubsol took three wickets for 29 from her 10 overs. Uh, so when Storm batted, uh, Heather Knight made 91, um, but they fell to uh, 2 5 2 for 9. So they still needed another 40 odd um, to win. Uh, and yeah, it, it looked tough at that point. But Anya Shrubsol was still there. And for Western Storm, she's often not had much of a chance to bat because the, the top order have been so good. But, you know, we've always known that she has batting ability. And, yeah, I mean, she, she with mainly sort of leg-side pulls and um, all in, almost entirely leg-side shots, she hit six fours and three sixes uh, on her way to 61 not out. Are you trying to say she was uh, slogging just... it down? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, 61 off 41 balls. Um, and, yeah, Western Storm won off the last ball. Um it was it was one off three, and then there were two dot balls, so it was one off one. But then then, then the last shot, she powered it down the ground over Sophie Eccleston's head um, to complete a thriller. And there was quite a few fans there, um, and there was a partisan crowd. Um, yeah, very enjoyable day uh, in the sun. Um, so the game yesterday, Amy Jones uh, smacked a few, was... didn't she? Sorry, Amy Jones smacked a few yesterday, didn't she? Exactly. Yeah. Um, so Central Sparks batted first and Amy Jones got 163 from 114 balls. That's the highest score of the Rachel Hayo Flint Trophy uh, this year or last year. Uh, they made 295. Um, Storm were, uh, started well in the chase. They reached 102 uh, before they lost a wicket. Um, Lauren Parfitt made 91. Heather Knight made 59. Um, but once they were out, it was, it was too much. The required run rate was too much. Uh, they only made 254 for nine and lost by 41 runs, unfortunately. Um, so, yeah, 1-1, one, one, lost one out of two games. Um, they're back mid-table at the moment. Um, but, yeah, it's been a successful successful opening weekend um, to the Harry Flint Trophy. Lots of centuries, lots of high scores. Um, and you can see with the you know, dominance by the England players, as you'd expect, is they're um, available at the moment. Um, and they're available for one more round after this. Um, but, yeah, a great, a good start to the season. I think with the women's game going fully professional, it's a it's a um, a point that's being addressed. But you really can tell that the the established international professionals that have been on full time central contracts for a number of years now really do make the difference in that competition. You know, Heather Knight getting runs, Annie Shrubsole runs and bowling <laughs> her overs for was it three for twenty nine, and, and Amy Jones just being yeah. the, the decider in the, in the game yesterday. Um, exactly. Yeah, they're, they're on they're on the pathway to. Um, to rectify that, which, uh, which yeah. can only be a good thing. It'll be interesting this year. So there's 41 non-England players who now have full-time contracts. So that includes, for Western Storm, includes players like Sophie Love, Georgia Hennessy. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how that works. You know, Is there going to be another gap that opens up between the contracted players and the non-contracted players? Um, you know, it should be a real chance for them to improve their games. I mean, I saw, I heard Sophie Luffy the other day saying that you know she's worked on improving her bowling, for example, because now that she's, you know, able to focus on her cricket full time. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how it goes. This is the first, you know, it's a, it's a huge year for women's cricket, um, and um, yeah, I'm looking forward to the rest of it. Yeah, just a shame the Test match is being played at um, uh, at, uh, at Bristol. Or, uh, Bristol, yeah. Yeah. Thanks for interrupting, Dan. I was about to uh, embark on an explicit. He couldn't even uh, bring himself to uh, say the word, Dan. You had to help oh, him out there. Stick it <laughs> well, in his throat. At, at least it's somewhere horrible to take the Aussies, so they're probably used to it. Um, not the Aussies. Sorry, India. India. Sorry, India. Yeah. 
I was having flashbacks to the Ashes Test at Taunton last year. <laughs> okay, right. Um, shall we do listeners' questions? Um, Steve, mm-hmm. have you, you got some ready to go there? Oh, well, I've covered, I think I've covered um, the one Peter Wunless asked about the out-of-contract Middlesex players, which I think we said let, we'll leave down homework to keep an eye on that and see who else he can pick up from around the counties for us. I'll um, give you a few next week if you want. Great. The other, the other one, it's it's slightly looking ahead, but um, I was messaging Mike Unwin, who, as you know, does um, seconds watch for the blog at the moment, and I just wanted thinking with the T Twenties coming up, just asking who him having watched most of the second eleven cricket, he thought in the reckoning for maybe a T Twenty game for the firsts, but also who would be the core of the Royal London side because we've got to start thinking and looking ahead to that I thought um, and you'll be delighted to know that there's a certain Ned Leonard in oh this. Ned Leonard um, <laughs> interestingly nearly all bowlers he's picked Casey Aldridge, Sonny Baker the young chap called Jack Brooks um, the two that interested me the most were James Rue um, who's the young wicketkeeper who seems to be pretty handy <laughs> with the bat and Mike said after today, where Will Smead, I think, got 70-odd and smacked it all about the place he's coming, was he hopes he's coming back into form. So I've, I've tasked Mike with keeping an eye on those warm-up games for us and, and keeping up. But I think, we're in, I think we're in quite good shape for the Royal of London. I'm quite, as I said before, I'm quite excited. I don't know if you've, any of you guys have got anyone you'd specifically like to see or have heard good things about that you're looking ahead. I mean, I, I, for one, want to see us play our strongest team. So mm-hmm. I want to see us go all out to win it because, you know, you, you only get three chances to win a trophy. Um, you know, I don't want us to sacrifice one of them by just treating it as a development competition. So I think you can still play some of the options, even if you're, you're going, doing your strongest team. It might mean that players like James Rue, uh, maybe Casey Aldridge won't necessarily play. Um, but I think yeah, there, there's definitely opportunities for, you know, goals over Smead. Um, you know, Sale, Leonard, um, Ollie Sale. What's happened to Ollie Sale? He's not been mentioned in dispatches recently. Where's what's he up to at the moment? He's he's had he's, shoulder is it shoulder surgery? I don't know. Not, yeah, Sale's had an injury. I'm not sure what it was. Um, I would have thought he's not, he, I mean, he would have been playing in the in these warm up games, so he's um. He's obviously not right. Whether he's just you know a, a week a week away or, or a month away um, is a very good question. But uh, yeah, I think Ollie Sale bowling at the death is probably worth another season. Um, I think you're right. I can't Dan. see him necessarily playing in T20 though. Sale. I mean, we've now we've got Delanger, um, and I just wonder if the, the balance of the side. I think there's a lot of options for our T20, but I'm not 100 percent sure Ollie actually plays this year in the T20. At no. least not regularly. Um, but maybe I a think chance. Ben, ben Green's got a shout of getting games because I think he seems he seems to be, I think, being targeted more as a, a white ball player in in the first team. And he, I think, he's out of contract at the end of this year, Dan, isn't he? So he, he, is, he needs yeah. to make an impression. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, we start next week. Um... On the 9th of June at Taunton against Essex, so maybe we could have a think and come back to this on well Tuesday next week. 
Uh, mm-hmm. We could bring our T20 teams to the table and have a have a little selection meeting. But there are <clears throat> there are plenty of options. When has Devon Conway arrived, Dan? Is he here? For, is he here for the whole? No, he's missing the first five games. Okay. So he'll be around for the last nine of the blast um, of the blast group stage, plus obviously a couple of CC games. Oh yeah, of course, because oh. he'll be in the uh, in the New Zealand squad. Cool. Um, yeah. Right. Uh, do we have any more? I think there was one from Mike about um, do we need a transfer window in cricket? Oh no! <laughs> I think probably not. I think transfer in in football you're dealing with players going from clubs internationally to uh, to clubs be in other nations. So towards, be another step towards franchise cricket. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely right. Yeah. Concentrating cricket where the money is. You know, and and it'll just tend to focus on those, you know, eight test grounds or whatever. No, I don't think it's really no, the, let's, the need keep for the county, Keep people who are from that county playing for the counties. If we're going to throw all of that out the window, then who cares? But a lot of people, you know, won't be following cricket if that is the case. And obviously, the system of football is players are moving mid contracts for large sums of money, whereas that's not really a thing in cricket. Clubs can't afford to pay, you know. Yeah, hundreds of thousands of pounds or millions of pounds to buy players out of contracts so you know most of the movements in cricket are when players are out of contract anyway so and the, the movements are generally confined to sort of September October I mean you do get players sort of leaving mid-season with the the whole 28-day approach thing and whatnot um but yeah it's not I wouldn't say a transfer window is necessary no I think the loan system as well works really well in cricket um we saw it with Jamie Overton a couple of years ago. He popped off to North Hans to get some overs under his belt. Whether it was the right or wrong decision, uh, I think time is told on that one. But certainly, I, I don't think a transfer window is, is needed or would really be beneficial. Speaking of which, I don't know if you heard Richard Gould, former Somerset Chief Execs, leaving Surrey now to go and be Chief Exec at Ashton Gate. And he did an interview which was really, really good. And he was saying the clubs are still expected to invest all this money in pathways and develop players and fund all this, the county championship and all this sort of cricket, and then hand their players players over for 30 days to these franchises who've got no identity, don't do anything in terms of contribute to the player development or any of that. Um, And hallelujah, he said, let's put money into the blast. Let's have a proper two-division blast you know, which is pretty much what you'd end up with with eight teams in the top. But he's been saying group. that all along. Mm, we have, yeah. Right. But oh. if you haven't heard it, it's a really good interview. Kevin Howells did it on Five Live, which uh, with the in the middle of the Roses game one day last and, week. It was very Andy good. Nash. He and Andy Nash were the were the great champions for focusing it on T20 as as we've got it, rather than the hundred. But they were outvoted. Mm. Money talks. The hundred was forced in by the back door, wasn't it? It was. Uh, yeah. Well, no, no, by no, the, no, it the wasn't former supermarket man. It wasn't because I remember distinctly when they when they went in front of the um, the select committee for culture, media, and sport, and oh, who is it said that uh, the cricket fans and county cricket fans have been extensively consulted about the hundred? I mean, Harrison. I, I, yeah, I mean, I I must admit, I missed I missed my email. Um, I don't know if you guys accidentally deleted yours as well, or it went into your junk box. But you know, if, if they've extensively um, canvassed county cricket fans and they've ended up with a hundred, hey, 
you know, we must have said that we mm. wanted it. We've only got ourselves to blame. That was that was the select committee hearing that's got this wonderful picture of a glowering Annie Chave sat in about the second row behind <laughs> Graves and Harrison listening to the evidence. If you if you haven't seen the picture, it's absolutely priceless. She does not look like she's enjoying her day talking, <laughs> uh, listening to people talk about cricket. What did they have written on their T-shirts? Was it a profanity, the hundred, or was it something a little more polite? I can't quite remember. Uh, it was Just a little more polite. Yeah. Yeah. I must admit, I did. Uh, I've had my fill of um, watching the select committee after watching Dominic Cummings for seven and a <laughs> half hours last week. I turned it off about eleven and, and sort of concentrated on work and just thought, "Oh, they must be repeating it now. It's three o'clock. I oh, know he's still going. Bless him." Well, if he wants, if he wants a bureaucracy to blow up, when doesn't he join the ECB? <laughs> That's very unkind. Who to the ECB or Cummings? <laughs> Still, well, we're, we're, we're stuck with a hundred. And as the, you know, I don't know if you read the letter that came out with it this week, this month's cricketer. Mm. You know, I think <clears throat> we've got to hope that it's it's a success because so much hangs on. I've yes. got it here. I've made some work notes on it as well. Yeah, it basically says um, we're gonna we're gonna cover the hundred, but we don't want to cover the hundred, but we kind of have to because it's cricket. But don't worry, it'll kind of be. Tucked in the classifieds next to the uh, the lonely hearts. <laughs> I think it would be a bit more than that, but I thought I thought that actually reflected very well what the average county cricket follower really thinks about the yeah. hundred. Without going yeah, over, I thought it was really yeah. well written. Yeah, agreed. I mean, I think in all serious, we'll probably follow it. We'll probably dip into a couple of games, but it doesn't matter. I don't know, I don't know who to support, though. <laughs> who are we going to support? Anthony, you're a Devonian living in Somerset. You have to support the Welsh team. <laughs> How many Somerset players are in Welsh for? Tom Banton is, uh, isn't he? Banton is. Oh, they're all over the shop, aren't they? Uh, it's just got... Banton in Welsh, yeah. Have we yeah. got two in one of the Manchester team? Abel's at... Yeah. Byron no, no Tom Abel's not Manchester anymore. He was going to be. I think he's Birmingham now, isn't he? Abel is Birmingham. Um, Lamanby is Manchester, and as is Jamie Overton. Obviously, he's not Somerset, but Jamie Overton's Manchester. Um, Roloff's at London Spirit, and we got Craig Overton and Max Waller. They're both Brave. Southern Brave. Yeah. So, Southern and also Brave. Lewis Gregory's at Trent Rockets. Um, oh, it's that, difficult. Is that it? So, if you go with a number of Somerset players, then maybe it's Southern Brave, the uh, Gearsball based team. They, they have a phrase in. Well. They have a phrase in baseball, guys. If ever you go to a baseball game and you ask somebody who they support, the the joke was always, I support the, in my case, the Boston Red Sox and anyone who's playing the Yankees. Yeah, I support the LA Dodgers and anyone who's playing the Yankees. And I think my approach is probably going to be, I'd like to see the Somerset players do well, but I'm anyone who's mm -hmm. you know anyone who's playing the welsh fire to be honest are going to be my yankees for this i'm afraid oh, no you can't do that not with tom Banton. i can oh and jason kerr as well let's not forget he was yeah. that was announced this week that jason's got to be assistant to gary kirsten up at um is it still called sapphire gardens or have they renamed it for the yeah, hundred it's called sapphire gardens yeah i still, thought yeah. they might have renamed it the hula hoops arena or the <laughs> Or the cholesterol stadium for for the duration of the hundred. But yeah, we're, lo we're we're losing Jason for the um uh, for the duration of the hundred, which is also the duration of the Royal London One Day Cup. Um, is Joel Tratt's taken over, isn't he? 
Paul Tweddle, sorry, Paul, yeah, John Tweddle's a fitty over I think um, the thing is, we all know that we're going to watch some of it because it's in quotes cricket, and we want to see what it's like. But I've just got this horrible feeling that I'm going to watch it. Like I'm, I'm going to have the reaction that Anthony had to the T10s that he was watching over the winter. It's going to be a bit like that, and I'm just going to go. No, I can't. I just can't be doing with this. Funnily enough, I think I'm more likely to watch the women's hundred than I am the men's hundred for some reason. Yeah, same here. The women's hundred, I don't really object to. Uh, while I'm sad that the Kia Super League is gone, the women's hundred is, you know, it, uh, it's it's difficult. It is difficult because the hundred is a package I don't really like, but the women's side of it, I can't. I don't really have any real objections to it. I have mixed feelings. Um, but the men's, it's more that. I'm sure the, the thing is, the hundreds, the cricket will be great, but I almost can't bring myself to watch it because I just know what impact it could have and is having, mm. you know, on, on county cricket. It's just, it almost feels like the hundred doesn't want me and I don't want it. It's <laughs> just like, I can't, almost can't bring myself to look at it or to watch it. It's, Did you not get it, the email either, Dan? <laughs> funnily enough, no, I've never received anything. No, I mean, I almost want to write to um, Sky Sports and say, or BBC and say, listen, I was watching the hundred, but I wasn't enjoying it. So please, can you just deduct my one off your viewing figures uh, when you need to report them to sponsors and advertisers, please? Thank you very much. Oh, and by the way, I'm actively not going to buy any products that are advertised during the hundred. I'm definitely not going to buy any KP crisps from now on. Apart from skips. I like skips. That's going to be a tough one to give up. I might be able to manage it. We're going to hold you accountable to that, Mr. Shepherd, <laughs> through the duration of the competition. Well, I was um, a hundred advert popped up on um, on the old Twitter feed today, and it was um, you know they were had all the the contracted players, um, you know, uh, Root, Stokes, um, Kate Cross, the women's players as well. And uh, for starters, I'm, I almost fell or replied, "Well, none of your England men's test players are going to be playing in the hundred. Maybe one or two games, so you might want to." Um, you might want to revise that as well but they were talking about it was live music live DJs grand spectacle and it was about four, fourth or fifth or sixth point was oh by the way there might be some high quality cricket going on as well so I think we all know that they seem to think that getting this new audience you almost having to hide the fact or disguise the fact that they're going to watch boring old cricket which that they was would, the. Sorry. On, I, well, I was just going to say, if, if anyone from the ECB was listening to this conversation, they would say, "Well, we don't care about you lot. We're not <laughs> interested in, in you. We want to attract new audiences. We want to attract women and families and mm. and all the rest of it. And if grumpy old ca county cricket followers don't don't like it, well, tough. You know, they've and and the money that we're making from the hundred will be used to support the county championship, which is true." And you can't really argue with it. So we need it to succeed. That's the awful thing. Much though, in our heart of hearts, we might not wish it to succeed. We need yeah. it to. I mean, but could it not lead in the long term to, you know, the county system being abolished entirely? You know, it leads towards this eight teams, eight centres, you know, eight super clubs. You know, it could lead eventually to counties being abolished anyway. So, it could. Other smaller counties. I think. If blast audiences or blast crowds are strong this year, I think that will be a, a signal that you know the county structure is is viable. As soon as blast audiences and blast crowds start declining, 
I think straight away they they probably you know the alarm bells will start going off at ECB towers. Um, so I think it's it's more important than ever that, that counties really get their marketing sorted out, really engage with their local communities, and and you know really try and get their grounds full for T20s. Um, with the best will in mm. the world, no grounds are going to be full for the Royal London One Day Cup. It, it's going to be your county diehards going to watch that. Um, guilty, and uh, county championship games again. It's it's going to be your diehards going to watch watch midweek. So no. County cricket and county fans really need to have a strong blast season with record attendances. I think following last season's complete absence of fans, I'd, I'd be surprised. I think I've seen on Twitter most counties are reporting that they've, they've sold out all their blast games or, or are close to doing it, um, certainly the ones after June the 21st. So I think it's really important that that, that carries on year after year after year. Mm. Two points. Um one is, do we know whether the hundred games are actually going to be well attended? I've always had this. I've always assumed that actually the games at say Cardiff and maybe Headingley, Edgbaston, will they actually get big crowds? You know, you do wonder whether some one day cup crowds could even outstrip hundred crowds. I don't know because you know the T twenties outside London and outside Roses games often aren't full. You know, we know that games at Cardiff aren't full. So I guarantee I wonder if you, they're if gonna... you're walking down Cardiff High Street the day of a hundred game. There will be some attractive women in red bomber jackets with hula hoops logos on there, giving away tickets like confetti if they haven't sold the ground out. Mm. They will pay yeah. for that ground to get it full. Trust me. Yeah, we know what yeah, Ian's going to be doing on that designated day, then, don't we? Loitering in the centre of Cardiff. I'm very fond of hula hoops myself. <laughs> <laughs> oh right, so uh, right, Anthony's definitely Welsh fire. He's who? Which ones are skips? They're the yellow ones. Is that Trent rockets? rockets? Okay, well, I'm going to support Lewis Gregory and, and Trent Rockets. Um, Anthony's with Hula Hoops. So, what is that? What other ones are on there? I can't believe we're talking I'll, about I'll, KB I'll, I'll I'm going to have to bleep Lammers, out all the brand names. I'll stick names. with Lammers then and Manchester Originals. If you're going to force me to, to, if it was Liverpool Originals, I wouldn't have a problem. But I'll, I'll... <laughs> <laughs> I'm not committing. Uh, I'm not committing. Anthony's. <laughs> Anthony's doing a bit of product placement, everyone, with, up the, a with of the lifting up a hula hoop. Well, well, well while we're doing product placement, I wouldn't mind a few <laughs> cans of these Thatcher's Gold being delivered uh, uh, to Cider Life Towers. Uh, what's Manchester? Are they, are they McCoys? Are they State McCoys, I think? Yeah. yeah. I think they're McCoys, Manchester. So who's I, that I don't know, actually. Ah, I'm glad, I'm glad I don't know, to be honest. Yeah, um, let's let's leave blissful ignorance. Well, my kids will be supporting Pom, whoever Pom Bears are. Has Pom Bears got one? That's Southern Brave. Southern Brave. My kids will support Southern Brave, and they like the Pom Bears. You need to nail your colours to the mast here, Dan. Who are you going for? I'm supporting all the Somerset players, and I'm supporting all the Western Storm players. That's, oh, how very, that's all I'm how saying. very Switzerland of you, Mr. Excellent. King. Excellent. I can't, I can't <laughs> commit to a team. How can I? I mean, if anything, I'll probably slightly, ever so slightly favour Welsh Fire simply because they're the team that officially Somerset are involved in, you know, Jason Kerr's involved and officially Somerset kind of are on the board of Welsh Fire, you know, it's the, that's the team we're meant to kind of support. So. And, you know, they're the equivalent of Western Storm as well, particularly the women as well. The women's Welsh Fire will be made most of the Western Storm players are playing for Welsh Fire in the women. So, um, you know, it, it kind of has to be them slightly. Um, but yeah, reluctantly. Right. I'd better go and have some supper. 
All that talk of hula hoops has made <laughs> Anthony hungry. He can't hold it. Have up. you not sport your dinner with those hula hoops, Anthony? <laughs> it was just to keep me going through all of this. <laughs> cool, blimey, we've done 50 minutes. We've not even done all the uh, listeners' questions. Anthony, hopefully we'll uh, myself and Dan might bump into you on uh, Thursday or Friday. Look, I'll uh, look out for you. It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be hot, hot, hot sunshine all the way. No, uh, no dangers of any rain delays. Um, okay, we'll bid farewell to you, Anthony. We'll catch yep. up with you next week. Cheers. Yeah. Cheerio. Bye. Okay. Right. Um, oh, what are we go for? Uh, best stand to watch the game in, Anthony James. Um, oh, I just think the great thing about county championship games is you sort of you wander around a bit, don't you? We're not going to be able to do that. Yeah. With the COVID restrictions, which is uh, which is unfortunate. But have you seen Max Wallace? When when I was a kid, I, my dad and I always used to sit in the old river stand, and that was our go-to for every game. I've got to say that since the Tres Pavilion has been opened, I absolutely love sitting in there. You feel really close to the action in there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, top of top but, of the Tres Pavilion is the prime place. As long as it's not, yeah. if it's a bit, if it's if it's cold, it can be cold in the shade. That's the one issue. But yeah, yeah. prime spot. Uh, and the Somerset stand is great if if the pitch is over, not over the organ work side of the ground, of course. But if it's there, then you, it's quite sort of my age and decaying eyesight. It's not great. I managed to sneak into the long room as a guest a few times. That's pretty nice in there. Mm. Um, and also getting uh, getting invited into uh, uh, getting invited to hospitality boxes. But after my uh, little lad. Made a little bit of a shout and uh, distracted uh, Captain Tom against Kent a couple of years ago. Not it won't happen back. again. You Not are on the again. blacklist. <laughs> I'm on Richard Price's blacklist, definitely. Uh, any more questions then? Um, bum, bum, bum. Ooh, fact Simon at uh, Brida. Factor 30 or 50. Hopefully both for, uh, um, uh, for Thursday. So I'm in the Somerset stand Thursday and Friday. Uh, Dan, I think you're in the in the Lord Botham stand. I am, yes. Not a usual, not a regular stand for me. It'd be interesting. I've only been in there three or four times. Yeah, you've got member seat in all four days, and I've uh, I've just got regular old Somerset stand uh, <laughs> side on to the bowler for both my days. So, uh, but uh, oh, well, yeah. well done to all the the, uh, the backroom team at Somerset for getting the ballot sorted. My minor minor com- complaint is that if you've uh, if you've applied for more than one day. Should possibly be in members' seating for one day and um, wherever possible. But that's a minor gripe. Just really looking forward to uh, to getting back there in a couple of days' time. Do we have any? Uh, did you have any more listeners' questions, Steve? Um, no, I've done mine. Oh, our Oval correspondent David Wyatt. I nearly forgot about David. Um, popped up to the Oval to support uh, Surrey, which is uh, always always leaves you feeling a bit dirty afterwards. But uh, cheers, Surrey, on to victory against uh, against the Gloucesters last week. Um, he writes nothing further to add to my comments RE grounds only Derby to rival Bristol that's at the bottom rather than the top having to cheer for Surrey and Ricky Clark over Labad which is the uh, the new side of Labad uh, thoughts on likely top two in our group picking up somewhat on Dan's thoughts looking forward to listening as always must it find it watching it quite emotional watching that first ball Friday at the Oval good to be back watching cricket must be so looking forward to Somerset, uh, watching Somerset at Taunton um, yes absolutely uh, we are Dave uh, I think we've covered our oh, likely top two. I think we're still. I'm going us top Hampshire second, maybe with Surrey if they uh, if they can pull their finger no, out. No, I think that's the 
I've been saying it for a while, and I so I'm not going to change now. I'm not writing off Gloucestershire. I think with away to Leicester and then two home games. I know they're Cheltenham. I'm not sure how good they're. I'm not sure. I mean, I know they're good at Bristol. And they rarely lose at Bristol. I don't know about Cheltenham. They might be good there. I'm not sure. But two home games and away to Leicester. It seems like a reasonable run-in. Particularly one of those home games is against Hampshire. Uh, sorry, ex- well, one, sorry, one is against Hampshire. The other is against Middlesex. Um, so it's not the worst running. Hanscom um, will score 280. <laughs> and uh, um, they'll win by an innings. <laughs> well, Hanscom made runs last week. So he's, he's, he's finding some form. Yeah. He just needs to realise that he needs to captain the team on a Sunday as well as the, Friday, the Thursday, Friday and Saturday. Well... That game, the Gloucester game, starts... Oh, no, it's bad, actually, for him. That Gloucester game versus Middlesex at Cheltenham starts on the Friday. So hopefully he remembers to captain on the Sunday and the Monday as well. That'd be interesting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think it's the time difference, Dan. I think he's he's thrown <laughs> out, but he's ahead. His body clock's still 12 hours ahead of what's going on for That guy. must be it, yeah. Right. Should we call it a night there, gents? been a long yep. one tonight anything yep. else yep. Um, anything enjoy else guys I can't tell you how jealous I am but <laughs> uh, enjoy yourselves and I look forward to getting feedback from you next week of how it goes yeah we will uh, yeah uh, next week will be our well our, our second live report on the podcast uh, I feel like the first proper one after watching cricket as it's meant to be watched in glorious sunshine at Taunton Dan, I'll catch up with you for a cider on Thursday and uh, Friday as well. Steve, we'll uh, see you on Zoom next week. Uh, but for Steve, yeah. Dan, and Anthony, uh, well, I wonder what he's having Tuesday night. Is that steak and chips night at, uh, at Chateau Steak Gibson? and chips night Tuesday at, at Chateau Gibson, yeah. Absolutely. Good stuff. Right. Uh, well, for Steve and Dan, I'm Ian Shepherd. Uh, if you want to follow us on Twitter, we are at Somerset Podcast. Drop us an email. We are the Somerset Podcast at gmail.com. On Facebook, we are always look on the bright side of life. Uh, hopefully, we'll see you all at Taunton on Thursday or as many of you as possible. Cannot wait. Come on, Somerset. <laughs>